The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 111 for July 16th, 2007. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I, of course, am Dave Hamilton. I am proud to be back here with uh, John Braun. How are you, John? You're back. Welcome back. Yeah. You know, speaking of welcome back, I, we're going to start the show with a rant here. I, I just decided. Oh, you um, got one too. Oh, yeah. Look, so, you know, we, we were away last week, and uh, and so I get back on uh, on Saturday, and Lisa, we're in the house getting things unpacked, and Lisa picks up the phone, and it's dead. And she's like, the phone's dead. I'm like, oh. Okay, so I checked the computers in the house, no internet connection. Okay. Now you have um, uh, Vonage or Vonage, something? Vonage, that's right. Yeah. VoIP? All right, so you have a VoIP, VoIP. not, not yeah. a hardware phone. Right. Okay, okay. So I head over here to the, the office. Internet's fine here. I know what's happened. The freaking lightning again, right? Now, for those of you that have been listening to the show for mm, two years mm-hmm. now, you remember that, that this is not the first time this has happened. In fact, it's now the third time this has happened. The second time it happened, I got smart and I went around and every device that was connected, there's a cable that runs between a, a, a series of cables, four cables actually, that run between the office and the house. They're buried underground and they're not in a conduit. This, this is the previous owner of the house that did this. Mm-hmm. So if you're ever going to bury cable, so yeah, this rant is, is not without substance. If you're ever going to bury cable, you know, you got to do it in a conduit because otherwise things like this happen. But anyway, I'm not going to rip it up. Easier for me to just protect everything on both ends. So Initially, when we moved in, we weren't using Vonage, which meant that the phone line for the, actually, we were using it in the office, but not in the house, which meant the phone line for the house just came into the house, and, uh, and that was fine. So we were only using one of the uh, Cat5 connections that goes between the office and the house. We were using it for networking, obviously, and, uh, and so what I had to do was on either end, I had to put an Ethernet surge protector and then plug the device to which the... Uh, the, the cable was connected also into a an AC, a power line surge suppressor, because DC devices are the things that are going to die first. Okay. So you got, and you got to protect both ends of it. <clears throat> well, we did that and that was fine. Survived many a lightning storm, no problem. Well, then we decided to nix the regular uh, Verizon line, which was our landline in the house because they were charging us like $65 a month or something for the unlimited calling plan. And we knew we could do it with Vonage for another 25 bucks. And so we nixed that and got another line on the Vonage thing. And we have this extra cat five that goes back and forth. So we use a single pair on that to send the uh, line back to the house. Good to go. What did Dave forget to do in this equation? Yep. You guessed it. I forgot to protect both ends of this second cat five. Yeah, and so, and then I'd put a, a switch up in the attic the, where the, uh, of the house where the other Cat5 comes in for the networking, and though I had protected the Ethernet side of it, I had simply plugged it into the wall for power. Bad move. Need to plug it into a surge protector because what happens when a spike comes in through the power in the wall? It goes for the DC jack on the, on the, uh, the, the DC jack being the low voltage stuff, the, the Ethernet, and blows up all the, the Ethernet and the switch. So the switch in the attic blew up. That's why we didn't have Internet in the house. And then, of course, the Vonage line, uh, or the, not the Vonage line, but just the line running between the house and the office for the phone blew up. Uh, thankfully, it didn't blow up anything in the house. It blew up the Vonage terminal adapter 
and which is the thing that pr provides us with both phone lines, connects the phone lines to the internet, makes all that magic work. And then, of course, uh, it blew up my telephone in the office, which is an old Siemens Gigaset 2420, great two-line phone system. There's nothing that I've found that uh, that is as feature-rich as this. Uh, but, of course, it's not made anymore, so they're tough to repair and tough to find. And uh, thankfully, I found one on eBay, so I replaced that. My son and I drove out Sunday morning down to uh, Circuit City, bought a new Vonage adapter, plugged it in, called up the folks at Vonage. They swapped it around. They were actually really nice. They gave me a $40 credit. Why, I don't know. It was out of warranty. They didn't need to, but they did. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, everything was fine. And then, like, 30, I, so I stacked the old Vonage router on top of my Linksys, uh, you know, wireless router that I have in the office, the WRT54GS. And, uh, and about an hour later, the phone stopped working again. I was like, what the heck? And I go over and I touch the Vonage router and it's screaming hot, scorching. And uh, sure enough, the thing had overheated for whatever reason, bad manufacturing or something. And, uh, and so it stopped working. So I then had to go out again, this time to Staples, because I wanted a different type of Vonage adapter. I didn't want one from the same batch that, uh, that Circuit City had gotten. And I got a new one at Staples called the lovely folks at Vonage. Again, they walked me through it. They didn't give me another 40 bucks. No surprise. And... Uh, and now everything, uh, you know, so far so good seems to work. I, I, like I said, I bought another Siemens Gigaset 2420 base on uh, on eBay, which is good because it means I don't have to replace all my handsets. And uh, once that arrives, then we'll be back in business. But, you know, it just goes to show you, if you're going to protect against lightning, you can't skip any one spot because it is one of those weakest link in the chain sort of things. And uh, And I had a couple of weak links in the chain that I just got lazy with when as I expanded the chain, as it were. So that's me. So our show today, though, is not about that. Um, it's about, uh, we've got iTunes stuff to talk about. We've got uh, some follow-up on cloning images. And uh, then we've got some iPhone tips and then some new questions and all that. So. Phones. Oh. <laughs> I got a rant. And, you know, it's not a matter of if I'm going to rant. Right. It's a matter of when. All right. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll we'll split the rants up just to give people time to digest, perhaps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Um, actually, while you were away, I went to this uh, very nice show, and I'll mention two two cool little things I just saw. Mm -hmm. uh, but Digital Life. Now, unfortunately, the real Digital Life show, which they usually have in the Javits Center in New York City, uh, unfortunately, is during the uh, podcast show that you and ah, I are going to. Yeah. But this was like the pre-event here. Okay. So it was cool. All the local area journalists here. Of course, there were a couple of guys that had already gotten an iPhone, and you know, they were the alpha. Alpha journalist, uh, as you were, right? That's there. right. But uh, two cool things that I saw very quickly, just the, the, you know, that jumped out at me, and I hadn't really seen before. So one was a thing, you know, how the kids are glued to the, you know, the video game or the TV or whatever. Oh yeah. Um, this is something that I think could replace uh, parenting, or at least complement parenting when you're just tired of it all. And it, and um, it's a uh, usebob.com. It's actually uh, the the company. Uh, let's see, who is it here? Hopscotch. But anyways, it's a little electrical thing that basically just shuts the power off to something. So you put the cord in this, you lock it up, and then you program it to shut things off at a certain time. So, you know, if 9 o'clock is when video games are off, then it turns it off. Oh, interesting. I thought that was now, pretty neat for kids. Now, the, the URL is usebob.com. So this is not related to the Microsoft Bob, which is something that no, oh, no, one, no, 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 no. one used, right? <laughs> well, it was a comical you know, approach at a user. It was too cartoon-like, I think. 
yeah. Um, but actually, yeah, it redirects to hopscotchtechnology.com. Um, oh, okay. But I thought it was cool. Now, of course, as a, as a young geek, what I would do is if I saw one of these devices, I would cut the power cord and solder a new end onto it, which is basically the only way you're going to get around this. Kids these days, though, they, they, they don't – I mean, well, actually, I say this, and, of course, my five-year-old son and I have done soldering projects, but my guess mm-hmm. is that most kids don't know how to solder these days. Well, especially not a you know one twenty line. I mean, that that gets to be. Uh... Well, you don't. You wouldn't solder it while it was plugged into. Oh, I know the that, wall. But, but still, you'd have to have some. <laughs> you know, you'd have to get the. Uh, yeah, of course not. Well, that that kind of you know thins the gene pool. <laughs> that sure does. You uh you know you solder. I mean, I, I I remember fondly like you probably do. You know, putting the fork in the outlet or something in the outlet at one point. I learned a great deal about electricity. You're not supposed to stick your tongue in the outlet though. No, that's the and so that was pretty neat. That's a neat little device that I think could help complement parenting when you just don't want to, you know, have another round with the kids. Just say, hey, nine o'clock, it's uh, you know, no more video games. Sorry, and then the other thing, a very do. nice Bluetooth headset. You told me uh, Brian, I guess, already has one of these and really likes it. Yep. Um, Jawbone.com. Yep. So it's a Bluetooth noise canceling headset, which uh, I had not heard of before and had not seen, and they have very impressive demos. Uh, online, but it's just like the noise canceling headphones. I mean, there, there was a demo video where the guy's standing in a field, and there's one guy with a leaf blower, or another with a weed whacker, and as soon as he turns on the noise canceling, it's like they're not there. It's it's really amazing. So I'm gonna have to follow up with those guys and see if I can get one because I just got a new phone, which we'll talk about shortly. But, All right. uh, but it looked like a very nice uh, Bluetooth headset. Um, you know, and that noise cancellation technology, it just looks like a, a really innovative product. So, yeah, Brian uses his jawbone with his iPhone, and I've talked to him on it a couple of times and uh it it as far as bluetooth headsets go it sounds great i i still don't it, it still sounds like he's in a room a little bit but uh yeah. but it's not yeah it's not bad um not not bad at all so all on right to the show to the show all right well we will start with uh with with robert and he's just going to kick it off for us here i think you know it's always the first one yeah, I got a question for you Good. guys. Oh, this is uh, Robert from the Jersey Shore, by the way. The new iTunes requires a password every single time you start up the application, and it drives me crazy because, you know, I have a Mac in my office, and I have two Macs at home, and every time I want to fire up iTunes, I have to log into my computer and type in my password, and then log into iTunes and type in my password, which means I could be typing it in six times a day. It sucks. It's annoying. I want it to stop. So I'm taking the password off my system, but that still means I have to type it in to use iTunes. Is there any way, please, oh, please, (laughs) Mighty Mac guys, uh, please help me in finding a solution to this dilemma? It's very frustrating and a little bit silly. If it's because of the DRM tracks, I'll throw them away. Thanks. All right. Uh, I did a little research on this. I did not know the answer, though. I had heard of people doing this, John. And uh, as it turns out, it's an issue when you're running iTunes and you quit or or perhaps even force quit mid-download. Um even once the download finishes, so, so when you launch iTunes, it tries to start the download again. If what you're trying to download is a purchase track, uh, either a TV show or, or a song, although those tend to download pretty quickly, but let's say it's a TV show or a movie, um, it's going to need to log into your account to, uh, to do that. Now, there's, there's two ways to solve this problem. One, 
first is to make sure that you've downloaded all all tracks so you go to the store menu and choose uh, check for purchases if mm-hmm. if that doesn't solve it that'll read that'll make sure you've downloaded everything and completed all the downloads uh, once that's done if it's still happening I found a Mac OS 10 hints article that basically tells you to go and delete uh, home so like twiddle slash music slash iTunes slash iTunes music slash downloads slash list dot p list and that is the list of uh, that file sometimes will persist even though you've already finished downloading things if there was a force quit or some uh, anomaly uh, on the way out with iTunes. So that's the uh, that that's okay. uh, that's my story. I'll link to that that article. So. <laughs> you call it a twiddle? Yeah, you never heard that? The, the oh, I call it a tilde. tilde thing? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But now to be clear, the, the dialogue that was coming up, uh, just, just to be perfectly clear, was mm. the iTunes authorized dialogue. Not, uh, just to be clear, because it sounds like he was mixing two things, and I just want to be clear. So, so there's, of course, the username password that you use to log in OS X, but then this is something totally separate. Because like, I was like, I've never seen iTunes do that. So, yeah, so it's in a confused state, and it keeps asking you to log into your iTunes account. Not Correct. Your, your, uh, your, that's account. right, your iTunes store account. That's that's right. Yeah. Yeah, what a pain in the neck. Okay. All good, right, good so uh, I think it was just two shows ago, or uh, two weeks ago, one show ago, uh, that we were talking about having multiple dri- having your iTunes library spanned across multiple drives for purposes of say having all your mu- music on say your local drive and then movies and TV shows and that sort of thing on an external drive and uh, we talked about a couple of not so perfect solutions and Katie from the MacCore podcast sent in this with a uh, closer to perfect solution so here you go hey John and Dave this is Katie from the MacCore podcast You guys are always talking about managing iTunes libraries, working with multiple libraries, having libraries that live on external hard drives, and all that other frustration with iTunes that Apple just needs to figure out a way to solve with a software update. But on a more recent episode, you were specifically talking about the problem of syncing video content to an Apple TV, because video takes up so much hard drive space, it becomes a problem when you have a lot of videos on the Apple TV, because that video also has to live on the hard drive of the machine that you sync to the Apple TV. Now, I have an Apple TV that I love, and it syncs up with my MacBook that only has an 80 gig internal hard drive. This summer, I've been catching up on some TV shows I missed, and at one point had nearly an entire season of a particular show that I downloaded from the iTunes Music Store that I wanted to watch on the Apple TV. Problem is, this ate up a heck of a lot of hard drive space, and I didn't want these files stored locally on my MacBook. I found a solution that works well for me. I hope some of your listeners will find it helpful, too. Now, assuming you have a more recent version of iTunes, and assuming that you have the Keep iTunes Music Folder Organized box checked in your iTunes preferences, iTunes will make a copy of any music or video that you have opened in iTunes and keep it organized in that iTunes Music Folder. Now, this is great for organization. Not so great for hard drive space consumption, though. I've taken almost my entire video library of nearly 15 gigs out of iTunes and stored it on an external hard drive attached to my Mac via USB. Then, all I had to do was drag those video files into iTunes while holding down the Option key. This tells iTunes to ignore that Keep Music Folder Organized settings for only these files. Instead, iTunes simply links to the files that are on my external hard drive. Now, you can't play the files on the computer unless the external drive is attached and mounted. This isn't a problem for me because I don't want to play them on my Mac, I only want to play them on my Apple TV. 
So as long as the external drive is mounted when you first sync that content to the Apple TV, iTunes will also sync that video over to the Apple TV. And the even better part that surprised me is that as long as those links remain in place, even if the drive is not turned on or mounted, your Apple TV will continue to leave those video files on the Apple TV even if that hard drive isn't there when it subsequently syncs up. So this is how I watch all of the video on my Apple TV without having it eat up hard drive space on my Mac. Now the same process would also probably work for someone who has video libraries that they don't necessarily need constant access to and don't need to keep on their Mac, but still want to be able to manage and watch through iTunes. So anyway, hope this helps. You guys rock. Uh, I, uh, sorry, I had that muted there, so I wouldn't make any noise. I couldn't have said it better myself. You got any thoughts there, John? No, I agree. We rock. <laughs> no, that's a good one. Now, to be clear here, the, uh, now I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to just ask a question here. But yeah. So first off, that preference is actually in the advanced general section. Of iTunes, correct. Of the iTunes preferences, just the steer in the right place. Now, we did notice an option here. So there's keep iTunes music folder organized, but there's also an option here, which I have checked copy files to iTunes music folder when adding to library. And I wonder if that keyboard combo is kind of accomplishing what unchecking that would do. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. That's great. Uh, yeah. Okay. And that's one of those kind of hidden hand wave, you know, secret handshake key. That's right. Key things um, that I guess you just come across in, uh, in your travels. So, uh, okay. Katie, Wonderful. I didn't come across it in my travels. Katie came across it. Yeah. And I guess some people, Hey, you know, there's, there's always someone out there who's just holding down the different option keys. Oh yeah. It's see great. What they do. <laughs> okay. So, uh, in the, uh, in the spirit of, of having you do the show, then I don't mean you, John, I mean, you, our listeners, uh, contribute more to the show. We, uh, we also stumbled onto a very popular issue, uh, which we didn't know at the time. And that is with the fellow who got a new Mac, and it was a new MacBook Pro, third-generation MacBook Pro. Got it pretty much as soon as it came out. Wanted to copy the data. Wanted to essentially have a clone of his old MacBook Pro. Instead of using the migration assistant, he went ahead and made a clone of the drive with SuperDuper, and it didn't work. Uh, the, the new MacBook Pro would not run uh, the uh, would not boot properly off the drive. Okay, so with with that in mind, we will uh, have Daryl. Uh, do a little bit of the show, and then and then we've got uh, some comments for you. Uh, John and Dave, this is Daryl uh, from Texas. Got a comment about your number one ten podcast on uh, July second. You had a user call in who was surprised that he could not boot a third generation uh, MacBook Pro from his first generation MacBook Pro image. Uh, that's really pretty consistent with Apple. You could go the other direction, however. If you took the third-generation MacBook Pro image, it would boot a, uh, an older model. wouldn't necessarily even have to be a MacBook Pro. I think it could boot other models. I'm in an environment where we have hundreds of uh, computers that we purchase, Macintosh computers, and, uh, <clears throat> and we always uh, maintain these images by building the image on the newest model computer. If we've got the image built on the newest model computer, we've never had any problems going backwards. However, we cannot go forwards. Anyway, there you have it. Thanks. All right. Uh, so I, I actually like that policy of building the image from the newest model computer. So for those of you that are managing multiple Macs, that, that's why we wanted to play that, because that, that's not bad advice. Mm -hmm. now, How, I think I didn't run into it because I typically have both of my machines up to the latest rev of the OS. 
Well, plus, yeah, that's true. And I'm also on a power PC, which I think introduces. Um, well, it just hasn't been revved in a while. There, yeah. There's there's no new power PCs out, right? So uh, right. So I so everybody was saying, yeah, well, what John said is correct, but that's because he's on the power PC platform and not the Intel platform. The Intel platform, of course, is is uh, evolving. Evolving, exactly. If you're into that sort of thing. So. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we got uh, not one but two email comments from, uh, believe it or not, from Apple Techs, and they both basically said the same thing, so I'm just going to read one of them. Uh, hi, John and Dave. I listened to Reuven's question in MacGeekGab110 where he copied the OS from his first-generation MacBook Pro to his new third-generation MacBook Pro, and it failed to start the Mac. Well, you did a very good job describing how to work around the problem, you missed describing why the copy failed. Reuven was, presumably, trying to copy his 10.4.9 installation over to a Mac that requires a newer 10.4.9 than the last general system update provided. Sort of a 10.4.9 and a half. Because that Mac is so new, it needed extra driver code and support stuff that hadn't propagated to the general OS yet. If Reuben had installed the 10.4.10 update before copying, since that's the first general update after the new MacBook Pro's release, then the copy would likely have worked fine. Your recommendation to reinstall the MacBook with its inbox installation disk was exactly the right remedy since that updates his OS version from the older 10.4.9 to the newer 10.4.9 that he needs. Hopefully that makes sense without needing to spend two pages talking about build sets and code convergence. And remember, regarding John's comments, that you cannot boot an Intel Mac using a PowerPC version of the Mac OS and vice versa. So uh, th that's, the, uh, that's the word from the, the horse's mouth. Mr. X. That's right, yeah. Uh, Oh, that's too bad because you know I always thought that was a and now that does surprise. I mean, I haven't tried it yet. I'm still you know one day I will get the uh, the Intel Mac. Actually, I hear rumors of a 12 inch. Do you know? Yeah, well, you know the rumor mill always has to check right. that one out because I tell you, though the you know the newer Mac books are are pretty nice too. But that's 13 inch, I believe. Yeah. yeah so, uh, but I always thought that they. Uh, so I guess it sounds like in the OS they don't have a uh, you know fat binary for everything. Or universal binary for everything. Not, not with, uh, not, not currently. No. Yeah, which, uh, which makes sense. You don't want to waste all that space. So, uh, yeah. Well, it would actually okay, be nice. So when I, it would when, be nice to have over... one, one drive that could boot both without having to jump through all yeah. sorts of hoops, though. So let's hope yeah. they fix that yeah. at some point. Somebody could whip that together. Yeah, yeah they, they may. Um, yeah. Or it sounds like if I get, you know, one, a, a new uh, portable Mac, I'm going to also have to get a new desktop Mac get rid of the other two machines oh i see so you're just going to make the make the switch all at once huh you'll feel the pain hard but it'll be one shot and you're done and the next the week after they'll come out with new machines that well naturally <laughs> yes of course that's right yeah and and that's also that's also the week that you know something will go wrong say where you need to you know spend lots of money somewhere else too you know mm -hmm. house, house problems or core problems i don't i don't wish that upon you though just well, actually, I'm not going to do it in August. Uh, August is the month where I moved into my place, and of course, that's the the time that all the insurance bills come. Oh yeah, yeah, homeowners yeah. and all because you know I did it all at the same time. Sure. So yeah, so they uh, so I got walloped in uh, in August with initial payments. Some I got to pay in full, and some you know you yeah, yeah. phase in. So uh, August is out for for the upgrade. So I may wait right. until might as well wait until MacWorld. Well, there you go. Yeah, because uh, Leopard will be out by then, and you know life will be good. Mm -hmm. So. All right, uh, and again, in the interest of, of having you do the show for us, we're going to let Doug lead us right into the next uh, the next topic. The, the, a couple of things about the iPhone. You can read lots of it out there on, on the web. There's a couple of things that, uh, that I hadn't seen anywhere, and we've got two tips for you that we're going to share. So here's Doug to start. Hey, guys. Doug from Connecticut. How you doing? Just want to give you a quick call and I'll give you a quick iPhone update. 
I got one, and I just wanted to talk for a minute about some of the, uh, the data features and things like that, which a lot of users will talk about other features, and I'm more of the geeky side, so I just figured I'd touch upon those. I live in Connecticut, and uh, I work in Meriden. I live in Bristol, and the singular service in my area is kind of bad, sorry, the AT&T service. So I'm stuck with using the Edge network, uh, browsing the web if I don't want to use Wi-Fi or if there's no Wi-Fi available. Um, it's slow. I haven't seen the great performance that some of the big cities are talking about in New York or California. Uh, it's bearable, you know, like the quick little maps that pop up Google Maps or if I check the forecast, that's relatively quick, but just web browsing can be painfully slow on the edge. So I just wanted to let your users know that if, if they're not in a high content area, they might have some slow speed. But I do have a signal and I'm talking on it right now using my Bluetooth, so my phone quality is fine. Um, <clears throat> Safari's cool. I'm sure other users have reported that. Uh, I love the way you can resize the screen. Uh, I haven't tried any SSL connections yet, but I do plan on trying to connect to my bank. Um, I'm sure that will be fine. I'm sure it's supported. Um, I wanted to get into the VPN part of it and see what that's all about. Um, we have a certain VPN um, configuration at my work, which I know will not be supported since it's not just a standard IPSEC. It's a specific uh, manufacturer. But I do have a VPN router that I'm going to try to connect to and just see what I can do with that. I wonder what they're planning with that. Maybe syncing over VPN or maybe syncing over wirelessly or Bluetooth. That'd be kind of cool. Just speculating, obviously. Uh, anyways, this, this isn't really the best iPhone review. I'm, I'll, I'll leave that for somebody else. Um, I love the device. I'm sure one of you guys have one by now. And I'm sure you're going to have a show devoted just to it. Um, it's very cool. You know, Apple's got a lot of little things to fix. Um, totally pissed my wife off and she wants one too, but I guess that's a good thing. Um, anyways, guys, uh, hopefully I'll... If you have any questions, uh, let me know, and uh, I'm sure other users will be reporting on iPhone specifics. Uh, keep up the great work on the show. I'll catch you guys later. Bye-bye. Any thoughts there, John? Cool. Um, actually, you know, I had a I would concur with that because when I was at this uh, Digital Life event, you know, yeah. to, as I mentioned, a few PC World guys, I think, were there uh, showing off their uh, iPhones. And I tried this. The Google Maps, it was tolerable. You know, you, you could see it, you know, downloading the data to update the map. Uh, no, I thought uh, thought it was okay. Yeah. Now, uh, I don't know. Should I let loose now? No, no, no. Well, well, I got well, a new me, phone let, too. Let, let me finish. Uh, let's finish the iPhone thing, and then and then we'll 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 give you free <laughs> reign here. Uh, be, because there there are a couple of things. Ro Robert wrote in, and uh, and this is disturbing, weird. In reading through the fine print in uh, AT and T's contract that essentially you have to agree to to uh, have service on the iPhone. He found something about Wi-Fi connections that's very interesting, and that's that you're limited to 150 Wi-Fi connections per month. Now, uh -huh. there's not a whole lot of details on this, but uh, presumably that means that if you're at the office and you connect to Wi-Fi and then disconnect from Wi-Fi and get home and connect to Wi-Fi, that's two connections, and that's, you know, so maybe uh, that's, you know, 50 connections a month. And then uh, if you drop off during the day, let's say you go out to lunch, that disconnects the Wi-Fi connection. You come back, reconnect to the Wi-Fi connection. That double, you know, that could, it, it doesn't make sense. So, well, now what, help me out here, but I thought the Wi-Fi, you're connecting to your access point. That's right. With your device. That's right. How can they possibly dictate what network you connect the device to if it's a built-in well, they capability don't care. of it. They don't care what network. They just care how many times. To a Wi-Fi network. To oh, wait a second. Are they getting any revenue 
when you connect to a Wi-Fi connection? Uh, no, I don't believe they are. <gasps> you, you know, I think that just answered the question. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, it says uh, to ensure that the Wi-Fi service is not being used fraudulently. Uh -huh. AT&T limits your usage of the Wi-Fi service to 150 uses per month. Fraudulently? Huh? Doesn't make sense to me. Huh? Yeah, they got to get a lawyer on that. Yeah. So that that's not the reason I don't have an iPhone. I I uh we're actually talking to Apple. They they may wind up sending us one to talk about here on the show uh if if that happens before John or I wind up getting one, then then we'll do that otherwise. My, my trio is to the point where the battery is kind of shot, and I was thinking about replacing mm -hmm. it anyway. But the problem is the, the, my trio can do a couple of things that the iPhone can't. One is that my trio syncs with now up-to-date and contact, which the iPhone can't. And iCal is not a calendar or to-do list or personal information manager in, in, by any stretch of the imagination. And uh -huh. it also can't act as a Bluetooth uh, modem, which I use infrequently, but when I use it, it's... Uh, it's because that's my last resort. So um, uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to, uh, to take that plunge without those two things, at least those two things being, yeah. uh, being fixed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. So, um, so anyways, you know, I'm, I'm still, you know, but mine hasn't arrived yet. Okay. So it must've gotten lost in the mail or something. I guess so. Yeah. So but I you did, said you got you a new gone, phone, right? Yes. So I got a new phone. So okay. the good news and then the bad news. So I got a new phone. So one thing that's important to me is that the phone works with iSync. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so there's only certain brands that they support, and sometimes. Uh, so, anyways, I was the I was at the end of my Verizon contract. Okay. And they have new every two, and I'm like, okay, I look through the list of phones. You know, there's lots of different brands, but then I finally zeroed in on one um, that is compatible with iSync, uh, at least partially. All right. And that's the uh, so now they called the Crazer. Uh, okay. Like a razor, but K R Z R. Yeah. K one M. So you know, I get the phone. They ship it to you know, work in a couple of days, and you know, everything went along. Now, you know, the first annoyance was they said, oh, I'm sorry, your old plan isn't compatible with this phone, which was a $34.99 a month plan. Okay. They're like, the $39.95 plan is compatible with your phone. I'm like, Naturally, okay. yes. Of course. of course, we get a corporate discount, so it kind of it works out. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I get the phone, you know, it's styling. Uh, so I had a V710, which when I researched it was one of the better Bluetooth-enabled or Bluetooth, somewhat Bluetooth enabled. Right. Cellular phone. So I get this thing. So so the good news is that first off, it's styling. If you see this thing, it is a pretty neat looking phone. Razor like, but a little thinner, a little smaller. Okay. Um, so here's the good things they did. So one, if you remember, I had the connector problem of my old phone. Right. This has a mini USB port and you can charge yeah. using a mini USB cable. That's very right. nice. Just like the Razor. Okay. That's smart. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So like the Razor, if, if people have a Razor, they'll, you know, I don't have, now, now I have one. Right. <laughs> or at least That's a variation. Right. Now, the other thing um, was that uh, the Bluetooth is not crippled on this. So it's like awesome. You know, you can surf it with, uh, you know, the Bluetooth capabilities of your Mac or your PC. You can oh, put sweet. files on there, take them off. So very nice. You can, you can put in a, you know, micro SD card or whatever they call it. I think micro SD is one of the yep. names for it. You know, so I put in an extra memory card. You can store things on that. So that's the good news. But then I started exploring more and more. And here's the bad news. So one, this contract stuff. Now, like you, I like the Bluetooth modem access. Yeah. Um, now, it's called uh, Express Network. At least that's Verizon yeah, called it. Now, sure. It was never something that was officially supported. You could just kind of do it. If you knew how to set up your dialer, you could dial in and, uh, you know, get a fairly high-speed uh, Bluetooth connection. It took off of your minutes, which I thought that's fair. Okay. And I'm even looking on my new contract, and it says 
Express Network Premium Network Service Access, $0.00. My interpretation of that is that it's built in, and I get it. Okay. Well, as I, you know, so I had my dialing script. I had to find a newer dialing script. Sure. And I'm dialing in, and first off, now, the one thing that, you know, kind of pegs the geek meter is that apparently they changed their authentication scheme with the PPP dialer. It doesn't do CHAP anymore. It does PAP. Okay. So you have to dig into the system, and I think you have to go to ETC, PPPD. I'll, I'll link to, you know, the information about this. But you have okay. to basically say, don't do CHAP and don't do these other things. Do PAP. All right. So finally, I'm like, oh, okay, I fixed that because it would, it would kick, kick me off. Then, oh, once gotcha. I finally got it yeah. dialing in, I would dial in, it'd give me an IP address, and then after about 10 seconds, it kicked me off. It disconnected me. I'm like, what the heck is going on? So I surf more and more, and I find out that apparently this thing that worked on the old phone doesn't work on the new phone. Because the new phone is not only RX1T, uh, RTT1X, but it's also uh, EVDO. Oh, And that's really? the excuse for it. Oh, that's so fast. Both. Oh, that's good, though. Yeah, yeah. so I guess it could, it could do either one. And it, okay. So anyway, so I go online, and I look in the Verizon Help, and they're like, oh, if you have this phone, you have to purchase the broadband access option. Now, I already had this on my contract, so I, I look online to get more information. And, and to their credit, they have a setup utility. So rather than setting up the dialer manually, they'll give you a utility that does a very nice job of setting up the mat networking to, to, to log in using the pound 777 and all that stuff. So nice work on that, but then you have to pay extra. Now, how much would you pay for occasional access to broadband access, Dave? Well, I have a I have my trio through Singular. Okay. Now okay. we we know that with the iPhone, essentially that's uh, it's twenty bucks a month. With with okay. my with my trio, I actually pay more than that. And for those mm -hmm. of you that think that the iPhone calling plans are expensive, they're not. Uh -huh. They're just expensive compared to regular voice plans. But for an unlimited data plan, which is what I have on my trio, uh, I pay. 30, I believe it's thirty nine ninety five. It may be thirty four ninety five. It's either thirty five or forty bucks a month. I, I think it's forty mm -hmm. though. So so there you go. So I'd say forty bucks a month is what I'd expect to pay. Oh no. So in addition to the plan now, which is a thirty nine ninety five minus the corporate discount. Yeah. They want you to pay not forty, not fifty, but it's fifty nine ninety nine oh, a month for unlimited. Well, but that's EVDO. See, that's way faster but, than what but, I have. But still. It, even if I only use it for – so the prior usage where, you know, we may use it like, you know, at the chaos that is Macworld when you yeah. can't get a Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. It's not something I used all the time, but to all of a sudden go from taking from my built-in minutes to $60 a month, I don't know what they're on, but I, I want some of it. I mean, that that is just – or what planet are they living on? That is just – well, they're on they're on the EVDO yeah. planet, man. That I actually, I actually understand this now because that, that – that's a pretty fast connection. I, I remember talking to Dan East of, uh, of Future Sonics. Uh -huh. He was in his car doing a video iChat connection to me over his EVDO mm -hmm. connection. So it's okay. fast, it's snappy, and, and Verizon uh, is, is very protective of it. In fact, I'm surprised that they're letting you do it with the phone. That, that is relatively new from what I understand, which yeah, is cool. Well, they are as long as I pay $60 more. Well, do I you mean, have to pay... Do you have to pay the sixty, or can you do a, oh, a no, lesser no, no. amount well, for a, a, a limited plan as opposed to an unlimited plan? And that's you know, uh, I saw no option. It's just sixty yeah. bucks a month. No, really? I'd be willing to pay maybe you know five bucks, you know, for you know certain, or take it for my existing minutes. Now that I have more minutes because they forced me into a more expensive plan, so that really that. That got me cheesed because it's again it's listed on my contract. Express Network Premium Network Service Access zero point zero zero dollars. 
to me, that's huh. not the same as $60 a month. No, that, that's so actually issue. $60 different. <laughs> yes. Okay. So anyway, so that was the one thing about the phone. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I mean, the phone is, you know, great quality, uh, lots of new features. Like, you know, you can put MP3s on it. Yeah. Um, but here's the other thing that they did that really got me. Ringtone. So on the old phone, you could copy over MP. And now that you can surf the file system, oh, cool. I'm like, okay, I'll put a, you know, I'll put a ringtone on here. And they have a directory called ringtones. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll copy over the MP3 or the MID file or whatever. And it doesn't appear on my list of ringtones. I'm like, Huh? That's really, really? Weird. It redirects it to this other directory called Sound. Huh. So I'm like, okay, let me see. You know, let me go online, and people are like, oh, well, here you email yourself a sound at your phone number at vzwpix.com, which I guess is their multimedia. Yeah, address. yeah, There's yeah. another one, vtext, I think, for text messages. So I'm like, okay, let me try that. I still don't get an option to add it as a ringtone. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I go online, do a little bit more research, and here's the thing that really, really got me. So then I'm like. You know, let me research, you know, why this is such a problem. So I go to Motorola. They make something called Phone Tools 4, and here's the clue here. If you, which Phone Tools 4 from Motorola says you can do things like synchronize, personalize ringtones, images, video, message, blah, blah. But then here's this phrase that caught my eye on the Motorola page. Note, if you are a Verizon customer, all multimedia and Internet connection features in this software will be disabled due to carrier request. Nice. Please contact your service provider for further information. The further information being... We want to squeeze you for more money. So right. to me, I mean, they already had a class action suit with the V710 and Verizon because they crippled the Bluetooth. Are they going for this again? Of course they are. That's Verizon. You know, it's the why way they can't go. I, That's I how mean, they roll. If I'm, if I'm savvy enough to know how to copy, you know, a file over to the phone, can't I make it a ringtone? Do I have to pay you for it? Because everything else on the phone is fine. I can take pictures. I can take movies. You can put music on there. It's like they, not that ringtones are, you know, the end all be all to me. Right. So those are my two gripes but the one is just that they disabled something that worked before yeah and and i think it's 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 kind of kind of crummy yeah all right so you know guys just you know accommodate the geeks let us if we know how to manipulate the phone don't, don't cripple it too much so it, it was almost like one step forward two steps back so end of rant i'm going to write them a nice letter and, and see if they can do something nice to me and for the most part i like i like the new phone i've had it for you know a few days and it seems to work good and it works you know, with iSync. You could always great. trade it in and, and get an iPhone which works with iSync. So, yeah, well, th this one does work with iSync, and that that was the beautiful thing when I synced it up. You know, it saw it through Bluetooth. It yep. you know synced up my contact list, and I, I'm I'm very happy that it did that. So uh, it doesn't do the calendar though, but not that I use my phone for the calendar feature. Really? I know people. No, I use with, my palm. I know people with razors that that uh, sync iCal to uh, to yeah. their phone. Well, I'm not them. So okay. All right. But okay. I, but so I think, it would, rant, I think so, it would work. So yeah. So yeah. so Verizon, you're getting better, but you know, yeah, few things that got me. So on to uh, end rant. I uh, unless you got a I have something geek. No, no, no. We'll 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 actually go to this printer issue and uh, and and then well actually uh, yeah, we'll do the printer issue and uh, and then the location thing. Hmm, how are we gonna mm. do this? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, let's do the uh, the location thing because I, I like this better and we're running out of time, I think. Okay, so uh, Dave writes in and says, I have an interesting challenge. I hope you or some of your listeners are up for it. I'm looking simply for a way in which a printer can default based on the network I'm using. In other words, I go to work, it connects automatically to the wireless network at work, and bam, as soon as I go to print something, it automatically defaults to print to the work printer. 
not the home printer that I had printed to last night if I use the last printer used setting. Then when I return home, reopen my MacBook, when it connects to my home wireless network, my printer default resets to the home printer. I'm looking for the most efficient and least geeky way of changing it. If I have to manually run an Apple script each time, in other words, I might as well just change the printer when I go to print. It would take just as long. Would love to have your, hear your ideas or those are your listeners. Now, when I saw this, I thought, perfect geek challenge. John and I then are uh, running through the show notes uh, or the, the show agenda before the show. And then it hit me. Wait a minute. This is like my rant about the location manager. And uh, that's what I was going to suggest. I thought the location manager that handles, you know, different network configurations. I, I thought it may be smart enough to do that sort of thing. But it used to be in not. OS nine. Right. But it's uh, not in OS 10. Hmm. And when I ranted about this the last time, several of you wrote in and said, but Dave, you're missing out on location X. And uh, it's actually at homepage.mac.com slash location manager of all places, but we'll put a link in the show notes. And this will actually do everything that, uh, that Dave asks for here and more. So I think that's the answer. If, uh, if anyone has a, another idea, then that's, uh, that's not a bad option. But, uh, but location X, uh, I believe, will do all of it. And frankly, I don't know why I haven't installed location X because I want all of the things that it does. So I'm putting this on my, uh, on my list for tomorrow. So, Thanks. yeah, that's location X. Uh, Let's let's go into Bob's thing here because this is kind of cool. Actually, you know what? What are we? How are we doing on time? I know I'm all over the place here. Yeah, all right, we'll do Bob. Hey, John and Dave, this is uh, Bob Bierbauer in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, started listening to your po uh, podcast recently, and I was actually just listening to it while I was painting my living room, and uh, got to thinking that you might be able to help me out with a little problem I've been having. Um, I recently purchased an OWC Mercury Elite Pro Aluminum Firewire 800 uh, one terabyte drive, which is basically two Firewire or two uh, 500 megabyte drive drives in a stripe array. Um, I'd like to break. I was originally using it as a uh, data or as for data purposes, and now I'd like to start using it for backup. Uh, so for obvious reasons, I'd like to break that uh, fi that stripe array and either start using it as a mirror array or just as two single 500 megabyte drives. OWC does have a utility on their uh, website to break the array. Unfortunately, it only works on um, PPC, uh, uh, the older Macs. It, it, there's no universal. They've said for quite a while now that Oxford is working on a uh, universal version of the firmware, but uh, it hasn't come out. And I was just wondering if you ha uh, knew of any other options to break that down. And also, I got to think, too, that uh, I have uh, boot camp on my computer with a Windows, so maybe there's a Windows version that I could use to break it. If uh, I'd love to hear your ideas on it, and uh, my email is... All right. So this is interesting. And, and, John, we were talking about this before. The first thought mm -hmm. when you hear that you want to break a RAID is... Go to disk utility. Uh, disk utility, of course, because yeah. that lets you set up various uh, various levels of RAID. But then, when I mentioned that, you did a little more digging, and I guess uh, the the problem is is that well, the thing is you can have RAID implemented by multiple things. You could have software RAID like disk utility, or you can have hardware RAID, which, as far as we could tell, that's what this drive is doing. Right. So disk utility is not going to be able to. Uh, to break it as he's putting it. And I was suggesting yeah. to break it, either put it on a busy highway or toss it out of, you know, probably three or four story <laughs> yeah. building. That's uh, right. No. 
Yeah. But uh, but anyway, so that's the problem. So this utility, I guess, will always see this as a, a single drive because you have to defer. And then I guess that's the question is how do you manipulate the uh, RAID firmware or controller inside of the drive? And I yeah. guess that's what some of these utilities that I believe you came up with uh, or he came up with. Yeah, well, he he found he found the one at at OWC's site, which we'll link to, which does it it'll do exactly this. Essentially, from what I could tell, it just uploads a new firmware to the uh, the drive mechanism. Now, note that doing any of this will render all of the data that's on the drives useless. Mm. You'll need to reformat them, uh, but it will do what he wants. It'll quote unquote break the RAID or split that up, uh, and really, it's just reprogramming the RAID controller on the. Uh, in the enclosure and saying, okay, we don't want it striped anymore. We want it either mirrored or no raid. Just give me two drives and I'll, I'll deal with them as a, as I see fit. But Bob answered his own question. The windows thing, of course there's a windows utility. And I believe we found it for you at firewire depot at fwdepot.com, or at least it's linked from there. And we'll put that link in the show notes too. Uh, you need to be very careful when you're doing this, that you're picking the right chipset. uh, for the the raid controller that's in that in that device presumably the updater utilities will be smart enough to pull it first and say okay is this the right chipset you know am i do i have the right file to update this but don't rely on that as the end all be all check it confirm it as best you can that yes you're doing the right thing and you can usually see the chipset disk utility may even show it to you if you go to uh get info on on the drive it may show you what the chipset is uh mm -hmm. on that firewire thing or or actually the apple system profiler may show you that too and uh and so you want to check that and even i don't know if it'll avoid the warranty but opening the case as a last resort and physically looking at it it's going to be ox9 something presumably uh, because it's that oxford chipset that uh that they have there at uh, that they use at owc so Yep, that's my now, thought. Another yep. option, yep, which we kicked around here. Now, this is only if you want to be a manly man. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And what you do is you get something. Well, one option, I guess, is to get a another case and to liberate one of the drives out of that case. So that's that's expensive. Oh, that's but true. Something yeah. that both you and I, and this is where you know we're we're getting into uh, pegs the geek meter, uh, and also just the manly man one is uh, they have <laughs> you uh, newer tech makes a, a nice thing that both you and I, Dave, checked out, and I think we're both very pleased with it. But it's only a temporary solution, but it's the USB 2.0 universal drive adapter. And what this is, is a cable, which as the name implies, you know, on one end is USB 2.0, and on the other end, it plugs into a variety of different drive types. Uh, SATA, you know, ATA, um, two and a half inch, three and a half inch drives. Um, the thing is, it's just a cable connected to the raw drive. Right. So, Well, it's got a chipset uh, in it. I mean, it, 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 it does oh, all the yeah, magic. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah but, but I mean, is it, there's it's no probably case. not for permanent installation no. is that you don't want to drive sitting on a table somewhere no. or on a piece of paper with this cable connected to it you know at the very least if you're going to have the drive out of its enclosure and put it somewhere you know put down an insulator or, you know yeah, piece of true. paper or something but uh this is a temporary means now, i suppose you could use this cable to build a case around it but then you might as well just get a nice case yeah but it's only 25 out. bucks ah okay right so, so hey, maybe you know you if could... you're into crafting your own yeah. case yeah um, but it's a wonderful thing, especially for quick and dirty, or you know, if you've got a drive failing and you just don't have time or don't have the resources to build a case, um, th this is a wonderful adapter, and it's, it's great for a... I mean, I've, I've lent it to a few friends who had panic oh, yeah. situations where... Or just you know, temporarily, where they had to pull a drive out of a machine, do a full backup of it, and then that's it, they're done. Yeah. So, uh, so they, they, they make a, a nice product for that. That's it. That's, uh, and, and actually, it's also from, uh, from OWC. 
Okay. I think. Right? Yeah. Pretty and sure. they, uh, I think OWC sells drives, too. And the closures. Yeah, well, he bought his drive from OWC. That's why I said it's ah, okay. also from OWC. So, okay. Why is the band so quiet? That's odd. They're not usually that quiet. Uh, there, there we go. Yeah, but it's not, uh, it's not where I would expect it to be. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, that's it. We we don't we're, we we've used up more than enough time, I think, tonight, John. Mm-hmm. But it was fun to be back I, all day. You know, I was thinking, oh, I got to go through all this email for the show and uh, and get everything ready. Once I went, once I did that and poured through the you know however many thousands of emails there were and sorted through the show notes. As soon as I had the show ready, I was totally uh-huh. stoked to get up here tonight and uh, and do this. It's it's actually really nice to be back. Now I did think about one thing. And and I'll, and I'll pose this to you as a uh, a logic question. Mm-hmm. The show really could just be show number six now, couldn't it? Uh, I don't think so. I think you're you're off a little bit there. I don't think so. I don't think so. Because if you if you look you at are. if you look at the show number, I believe that's show number six. I think it may be seven. Oh, you're right. You, you got the last back show to, back to binary school last show you, was show boy. number six you're right it's show oh, number seven. Oh. oh man hey that's why i went to that's, that's why I, that's, that's why, why I, I got my computer science degree. i can do binary you can yeah <laughs> hey, you were only one off how no, could i be one off good. how did i get that wrong <laughs> that's just you're on vacation man you're, you're i guess you're, that's it i'm still in vacation mode all right <laughs> Uh, yeah, let's see. iPhone Alley, of course, is Michael Johnston's site. He has been the one who converted this to AAC for you, who will have converted this to AAC. I don't know how to do that because it will happen after I say it, but before most of you hear it, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, iPhoneAlley.com. Uh, also a, uh, a a new site as part of the Backbeat Media Network, and we're happy to have him. So. Cool. Yeah. The podcast and new media expo is September twenty eighth through thirtieth, and uh, we're all cookie here. Yeah, now, of course. Digital Life is, is you know I'd like to go to that show if I can, but I can't this time. But yeah. if you go to Digital Life now, just between me and you, the listener, if you go there and you provide, I think it's a source code insider, you can get a, not a free exhibit pass, but but a discount. If, oh. if there's they, they sent me codes before, so they may have a code for free exhibit pass. I think it yeah. makes it to like six bucks or something. Like that. Yeah, that's cool. So anyway, so insider, shh, don't tell. Okay, but you just told them all. Uh, I have no idea what next week will be. Cashfly Hosting is where you will have downloaded the show. And the podcast marketplace this month has the A5 desktop speakers from Audio Engine, BB Edit from Barebones Software, Page Sender from Smile on My Mac. And I believe we're out of here. And I don't know why. I believe you're right. Quiet. Yeah, I know. Ah, it's been a long day, but it's good to be back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, the, the listener feedback just, just got me stoked, too. I mean, we There it is. Why did it burst in? And on your questions, because, you know, if we didn't have your questions, then we'd have to do more work. We'd have to do more work. Yeah, thanks for all your help. Oh. You know. Don't get caught. Made up.